welcome to the Meta Church Podcast. We're thankful that you're taking part of your day to spend it with us, and we pray this message encourages you, inspires you, and leads you to experience the transformative power of Jesus in your life. Hey, what's up, Meta Church? Uh, welcome back to week number two of our Joshua series. And let me just go ahead and say this. If you missed last Sunday's message, if you didn't watch it, if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, then go back and do that. Make sure you watch it. Make sure you listen to it. If you're at House Church right now and you didn't watch it or listen to it, uh, stay put. And then after today, go back and watch it and listen to it because week one sets up the entirety of this series. But not only that, it sets the direction for where we're headed. I shared last week about how we're stepping into a season of reclamation. As a church, Meta Church, we are stepping into a season of reclamation where we are reclaiming the promises of God for our church. And we're taking ground, we're taking hold of those promises and moving into new territory. And so make sure you listen to it as it sets it up. But today, as we continue week two, I actually want to begin by sharing a principle found in a different part of scripture. And then I'll use that principle to set up our story. So with that, Let's go over to Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 28. This is Jesus' words, verses 28 and 31. Jesus says this, But don't begin until you count the cost. What king, for what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? Now let me ask you this question. Have you ever committed to something without uh, factoring how much it was going to cost you? Have you ever committed to something without factoring how much it was going to cost you? Maybe you got excited and there was expectation or some anticipation about something. You just jumped into it. You said yes, you agreed to it, you committed to it, um, and you didn't really consider what it was going to cost you or what it was going to require of you. In fact, had you considered what it was going to cost you, you might have decided, no, that's actually more than I want to give. That, that's more than I actually desired, and so I'm going to reject it. Like maybe here's a simple example, right? Maybe you got invited to dinner with a friend and that friend's like, hey, I've got reservations at such and such place. And you're like, yeah, I'll go. I'll join you there. And then you get to the restaurant and you get to the place and you're looking over the menu and you're like, uh, what, what did I just, like how much? Uh, I mean, excuse me, what, what is this price right here, this number? Uh, and, and you're thinking to yourself like, I should have said no. I should have canceled. I should have, you know, made something up. I mean, I'm looking at the menu and it looks like if I sell my kidney, I can buy a salad. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. Or maybe you agreed uh, to, to help someone move. Like, this happened to me. I agreed to help someone move. Hey, it's just going to take like maybe three or four hours maximum on a Saturday. And you're like, okay, you know what? I, I'll help you. I'll commit to that. And then next thing you know, you realize you're moving from a five-four walk up to another five-four walk up, and really it's not four hours, it's eight or nine or ten. And your whole Saturday is shot, and you're like, I agreed to this, but had I known it was gonna take this much, I probably wouldn't have agreed to it. Or let's get maybe a little bit more personal. You know, think about those relationships we've all been in, right? You're like, oh, that girl, she's so beautiful, she's stunning, or that guy, he's so amazing, he's so kind. And then shortly into the relationship, you're like, but I'm emotionally exhausted, <laughs> like all the time with this person. I can't, like, I can't rest. I can't, like, you know, it's just too much. And you're like, no wonder they were on the market because if I'd known that it required this much from me, I wouldn't have committed to. I mean, we've all been there, right? Like, has that ever happened to you? Just raise your hand really quick, okay? Look around the room. Yes, this has happened to all of us. And, and you know it's happened to me, right? But rather than share like a story about me, I thought I'd throw my mom under the bus uh, and, and share a story where she kind of roped our whole family into something. You know, years ago when, when I was a teenager, 
we were living in Daytona Beach, Florida, and she, we took a family kind of trip down to Miami, and we were staying there for a few days, and she kind of got suckered into this like timeshare presentation, right? And we've all known about the timeshare presentations. And the idea was you do this presentation, then you can go on a cruise around Biscayne Bay, Miami, see Miami by water, like all this stuff. And like the short bit of it was, we did the presentation, it took forever, and by the time we got done and had to like rush our way to the dock where the cruise ship was departing, we got there only to realize the ship had already left. So like we spent an entire vacation day in this presentation and then didn't even get to do the thing that, we were, that was supposed to be the reward for doing it. I mean, all of us, almost all of us have made this kind of mistake where we've gone into something without truly assessing what it was going to require or cost us. And let me just say this, if you've never made that mistake, if that's never happened to you, then by all means, please spill the beans, share your secrets, show us your ways so that we don't make the same mistake. But for the rest of us, for those of us who raised our hand and said, yes, I've made that mistake, yes, that's happened to me before, then I want you to know the principle that I'm going to share with you is so, so important. And the principle is simply this, Know before you go. Know before you go. Or as Jesus himself put it, count the cost. In any new venture, in any new season, anytime you're stepping into new territory or new terrain, it's important that you know what you're getting yourself into before you get yourself into it. Does that make sense? Like if you're stepping into like investments, let's say this is true for all areas of life. If you're you know, making some new investments, you're investing in the stock market, you're investing in a business, you're investing in a person. You wanna know what you're getting yourself into. If you're investing in, if you're getting into a new relationship or maybe you're getting out of a relationship, but you're getting into a new relationship, you wanna know who you're getting into this relationship with. You wanna know about them. You wanna know what's compatible, what's not compatible. You know, if you're, uh, let's say work, right? Like you wanna know what you're getting yourself into. You wanna know what the salary is. You wanna know what the hours are. You wanna know what responsibilities are gonna be asked or required of you or from you. All of this, we, we want to know before we get ourselves into this. We need to know before you go. So now that we have this principle in mind, with that in mind, we can jump into the story of Joshua and we'll begin in Joshua chapter two, verse one. Joshua 2, verse 1, and here's what it says. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Now, let me kind of give a little bit of context in case you're unfamiliar with the story of Joshua or in case you've forgotten. So Joshua was a national leader. He was the leader, the leader of the people of Israel. So he was kind of their figurative or not figurative, their literal political leader. But he was also the military leader. He was in charge of their armies and commanding them how to proceed. So as the military leader, he decides we need to go. We're stepping into this new territory. We're stepping into this new ground. We're trying to take claim of something that God has promised to us. And so we need to send out some spies. We need to send out some spies to get into this land. This was a military operation because they were going to fight. There were going to be some battles. There were going to be some opposition. Specifically, they were headed over to Jericho. Now, they were positioned in a place called the Acacia Grove. And this is a place, uh, the, the Hebrew word is the word Shittim, and it's about 15 miles east of Jericho. And Jericho was the premier military city, military fortification, almost kind of indomitable, un, like not able to be conquested or conquered city and, and military stronghold in that region. 
So Joshua decides we've got to send out some spies to step into this so they can gain some intelligence and some counterintelligence along the way. So these spies make their way into Jericho and they end up, as the scripture says, at this house of, of Rahab who operated or worked as a prostitute. But somehow along the way, somehow as they made their way into the city, they kind of blew their cover. They blew their cover because the kings who were in Jericho got wind or got word that there were some Israelite spies who had infiltrated their city. And not only had they infiltrated the city, these spies were at Rahab's place or had been seen with Rahab. And so um, the king finds out about this. And so they send some people to go and seize the men at Rahab's home. Rahab becomes aware of this and understands who these guys are. He knows, she knows what their purpose and their intent is. And so she actually protects these men and actually tells the king, like, she doesn't know where they're at. She hides them on the roof of her home and conceals their identity, conceals their location, and protects them from what surely would have been a death of some kind. And so we pick up in verse 8. And here's the conversation, the dialogue that happens between Rahab and these two spies following her protection of them. Verse 8 says this, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. And she said this, I know that the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord has made a dry path for, for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt, and we know that what or excuse me, and we know what you did to Sion, the king of or Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Verse twelve. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. So to recap, Joshua sends spies into the land to scout the land, to figure out what they're up against, who they're up against, what is going to be happening in the city, what is going to be taking place, how are they going to be fighting, how are they going to be, like, what opposition or resistance are they going to be encountering. They connect with Rahab. Rahab has given them insight into the land. She's given them kind of some secrets, some sentiments, some feelings that the people have. Not only that, but she harbors them and protects them when their lives were at stake so that they could go back and give the report. Joshua as a military leader recognized, I've got to scout the land. And here's the thing that I want you to know. We too ought to scout the land. If we're stepping into a new land, if we're stepping into a new season, if we're stepping into a new promise or an old promise and reclaiming that promise, as we said last week, then we ought to scout the land and consider the season that we're about to step into as a church. Because just like Joshua encountered, there are some things we need to look for and there are some things we need to look out for. And I believe this story actually reveals to us four things that we ought to scout out, four things that we ought to account for when stepping into a new season. And this is true for you individually. This is true for us collectively as a church. When you're stepping into a new season of your personal life, stepping into a new relationship, stepping into a new career, stepping into a new city, stepping into um, a new opportunity, stepping into something new or stepping out of something old, then you must account for these things as well if you're going to experience success and longevity in this season that you're stepping into. And the same is true in your personal life, but also, listen, if you're committing to stepping into this next season with Meta Church, then this is something we all must account for. So with that, I want to share this first one. The first thing we must account for are the opportunities. Opportunities. You see, every new season presents or comes with new opportunities. Even the seasons 
that are born out of disaster, that are birthed out of difficulty or pain or trouble. You see, even those seasons bring with them the opportunities to grow, to transform, the opportunities to experience something entirely different than what we've experienced or who we've been in the past. But the predicament we often face is, or the predicament that we often have is that we uh, can't always see the opportunities because we're blinded by the obstacles. You see, you step into a new season, you think, well, I don't know how I'm going to do this financially. Or I don't know how I'm going to make this. I don't know if I have the connections. I don't know if I have the relationships to step into this job or to step into this business venture. I don't know if I have like the skills required to be successful in this situation. I don't know how I'm going to make it apart from this person in my life. When this person's passed away or when they've moved on or when that relationship is in, how am I going to do this? Like these are all obstacles that feel and seem insurmountable. But if we're careful to turn our attention away from the obstacles, what we'll see is that actually where we're headed next is full of opportunities. And here's what I mean by that. Look, at, back, look back at verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11. Again, Rahab speaking. Here's what she says. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things for the Lord your God is the supreme God, uh, is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now, imagine with me for just a moment. Okay, imagine for me, imagine that you're this military operative. You're one of the two spies, one of Joshua's elite special forces, given the task of stepping into enemy territory to scout out the land that you're about to invade, that you're about to wage war upon and try to take hold of a land that has been told that you've been hurt or hurt or you've been told is fortified, that it's impossible to overtake. And so you step into this land and one of the people in the city one of the people who lives there, one of the people who resides there, who has family, brothers, sisters, mother, father, who, who all have been there. And this person reveals to you and discloses to you that, listen, everyone here is afraid. In fact, they're not afraid. They're terrified. They're petrified. They've heard of who you've been. They've heard of what you've done. They've heard of how you've accomplished this. And they're here. And they're, and they're scared to death of who you are and what you're going to do to us. Now, again, if you're the military operative, you're thinking to yourself, this isn't an obstacle. This is an opportunity. You're thinking to yourself, what people thought was insurmountable is actually now going to be covered, is actually now going to be conquered. See, Jericho might have been fortified and Jericho might have been the premier military city of its day. But the spies realized there was an opportunity here to overtake, to overcome, to experience victory in this place because fear had overrun and overwhelmed the people of Jericho. And now they had an incredible opportunity to do something that everyone of that day thought would have been impossible. And in the same way for us, the very things that seem to stand in the way of us taking hold of God's promises actually are the paths that God utilizes to fulfill his promises. You see, in God's playbook, the obstacles become the opportunities. In God's playbook, in God's plan, in God's strategy, the things that stand before us, that financial obstacle becomes the opportunity. The relationship obstacle becomes the opportunity. The skills obstacle becomes the opportunity. In God's economy and in God's plan, 
The things that stand in the way become the way that God wants us to go. So we ought to look at these obstacles, not as something to be intimidated or overcome by, but as um, an opportunity that perhaps God is making a way or God is paving a way for us. In fact, perhaps God is setting it up so that the bricks that lay in the wall will be used as the bricks that outline our path. God is setting it up so that the obstacles become our opportunities. So we must account for the opportunities, but it's not just the opportunities, it's not just enough to look for the opportunities, we must also, or a good scout I should say, also pays attention to the relationships and connections. The relationships and connections. You see, only a fool believes, only a fool would believe that they are capable or suited to take hold of a new territory, to take hold of a new land without the help of anyone else. But a wise person, a wise person on the other hand knows that if they're going to experience success, if they're going to step into God's promises, if they're going to fulfill God's purposes for their lives, it's going to require the help of some key relationships and connections. And in this next season for Meta Church. There are connections and relationships that God will bring about, that God will send our way, that God has already sent our way to help us receive his promises and achieve his purposes. And this is exactly what we see in the text. If you go back to Joshua chapter 2, verse 12, back at Rahab, here's what it says in verse 12. The first part, it says, Now swear to me, Rahab speaking, she says, Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you since I have helped you. You know, for thousands of years, this woman has been remembered for the job she had versus the role she played. Many of us, if not all of us, have known her as Rahab the prostitute. She's not been remarked or, or, or commented as Rahab the special agent or Rahab the secret weapon, and certainly not Rahab the savior. Yet without her, this would have been impossible. Say what you want about Rahab. Say what you want about the fact that she was a sex worker and that she was an, uh, a prostitute according to scripture. Say what you want about why the spies were even there in the first place. The reality is they would not have made it. They literally would not have survived were it not for Rahab's character, were it not for Rahab's faith, were it not for Rahab's diligence, were it not for Rahab's willingness to put her life on the line to protect these two men. And I think there's an application here that is relevant to all of us. You see, in the same way, the enemy wants to shame you and permanently label you with the scarlet letter of sorts and convince you that you are not worthy of God's promises, that you are not worthy of stepping into what God has for others, that you are not worthy of receiving because of your past, because of the things you've done, because of the times you've messed up, because of the things that you struggled with in this past week, whether it was addictions, whether it was uh, attitude, whether it was belief and faith, whether it was the way you treated other people, the enemy wants to label you and put this kind of scarlet letter upon you and stamp it upon you and convince you that you are unworthy of stepping into anything that God has of benefit or of good. And yet Rahab ought to be a reminder, Rahab ought to be an example to us that God doesn't see what we've done as an obstacle or a barrier to stepping into what he has. In fact, 
Rahab herself was the connection that God wanted to bring. You see, sometimes the most questionable relationships end up being the most providential. Sometimes it's those relationships that don't make sense, those connections that we have, those opportunities that present themselves, and you're like, I don't know about this. I'm not really sure of this. I don't get the purpose of this, and I, I don't really, I, I, like if I try to lay it out and, and, and place it, it just doesn't seem to fit. And yet God is saying, I'm going to use those connections. I'm going to bring some situations. I'm going to bring some people. I'm going to bring um, some opportunities that are connection, that are going to connect you to where you need to be. There are some connections and relationships that God has ordained. And you're thinking, I don't get it. I don't see it. And the immediate, I don't know how it's going to unfold. But God is saying, it's not for the immediate. It's for the subsequent. It's for what's to come. And for the record, just so that it's clear, I'm not suggesting and I'm definitely not encouraging you or anyone to get entangled with questionable people. But what I'm saying is don't write off someone in your life because it seems or their appearance or who they are or who they've been or where they've been seems to be questionable to you because that might be the connection that God wants to use for you or for Meta Church to help us step into the promises that God has. So we have to account for the opportunities, we have to account for the connections, but then we must also account for the opposition. The opposition. And though it sounds obvious, it seems to me that this is the most often forgotten piece. I guess we just assume that, well, if God has promised it, and if God has spoken it, then it'll just be easy. It'll be free from problems, or it'll be free from trouble, or it'll be protected, and He'll care for us, and He'll make sure that no issue is going wrong. But that's not how it works. We talked about this last week. But anytime you're stepping into a new season or a new territory, you can bet your money that you will face and that there will be opposition. Just as I said last Sunday, we have a real enemy. His name is Satan, and he wants nothing more than to destroy you and to destroy the promises and the plans that God has for you, and the same is true for our church. He wants nothing more than to destroy the promises and the purposes that God has for Meta Church. So you better believe that he will send opposition at every point, at every turn, and in every opportunity that he gets. You see, for us, we don't see opportunity as opposition, but for the enemy, his opportunity is the opposition. So he works to discourage. He works to destroy. He works to deteriorate our beliefs, our conviction, our resolution, our resilience to stand firm and to march forward. And he will combat us and he will find us. And you can be sure if you are pursuing God's promises, if you are pursuing God's path for your life and what God wants, you can be sure that there will be opposition. But the same is true conversely. In fact, if you are not encountering any opposition, if you are convinced that you are pursuing God's promises and His purpose for your life, and you are not experiencing opposition, you're not facing resistance, then you might want to double-check the path that you've been on. Because from my life and my experience and my ministry and leading churches and leading people and leading followers of Jesus, there is always opposition whenever we pursue the promises of God. But there's good news. There's good news and it's found in Joshua chapter 2. Again, look at the last half of verse 12 and then into verse 13. Rahab said this, Give me some guarantee, now notice this next phrase, 
that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. When Jericho is conquered, you see the opposition was Jericho. The opposition was these fortified walls. The opposition were these military leaders. The opposition were these soldiers. And yet, the word of the Lord says, when Jericho is conquered, yes, there is opposition before you. And yes, there is a battle ahead. And yes, there is an enemy that stands to attack at every moment he gets. But God has given you a promise. And God has declared a victory. And God stands before you greater than any enemy who could present himself against you. You see, the opposition is there, but the opposition will be conquered. So we talked about three of the things we must account for, but I mentioned there were four. And this fourth one is not something that you will see in this text, at least not directly. Because it's found in the preceding text, but the fourth and final thing to account for is inventory. Inventory. You see, just as Jesus said in Luke 14, 31, no leader goes into battle without accounting for what he or she has. They do an inventory. And Joshua was well aware of this. And Joshua did the same thing. He took account of who was with him, who was ready to battle, who was ready to march forward, who was ready to take this ground and take hold of God's promise. And in chapter one, what he says is that he gathers all of the leaders, all of the tribal leaders, all of the military leaders, all of the religious priests and officials, And he gathers them together and he says, this is where God is leading us. This is where God is taking us. And he wants them to know, are you coming with me? Or who is coming with me? And this is how the people respond. Look at this in chapter 1, verse 16. It says, they answered Joshua, we will do whatever you command us and we will go wherever you send us. You see, Joshua had confidence stepping into the promised land, pursuing what was in Jericho because he knew who was with him. He was ready for what was ahead and so were his men. Which then begs the question, when I bring it back to Meta Church, it begs the question, are we ready? We, Meta Church, are we ready to step into what is next? It's an honest question. It's a fair question. And it's a responsible question. And the best that I can do is just speak from my vantage point to share with you what I've seen, to share with you what I believe and why I believe the answer is yes, that we are ready to step into what's next. And if you've been a part of Meta Church, let's say for the last like six or seven months into the fall of last year, the fall of 2021, then you will have noticed or sensed a shift of some kind that has occurred at Meta Church from about February of 2022 on. There's been a difference. There's been a change of pace. There's been something that has happened, a, a position and a posturing shift at Meta Church for the better. And, and what I've seen and what Chris and I have seen and been privy to and what we've experienced and what we've encountered is not just something that's kind of like, oh yeah, it's out there in the spiritual, but actually something that's happening right here in the room. That there are people sitting in this room, there are people watching online, there are people listening to this podcast who are experiencing freedom and, and breaking free from the bondage that has held them back, the bondage that has held them down. 
There are people who are stepping up in confidence and saying, you know what, I may not have done this before. I may not have ever stepped into this kind of role or stepped into this type of position, but now I am stepping forward. Now I am stepping up. There are many people who are experiencing healing and saying, you know what, this is how I've been wounded. This is how I've been hurt, but this is how God has healed. And this is how the spirit is restored. And this is how Jesus has made me whole. There are breakthroughs taking place in people's life, financial breakthroughs, relationship breakthroughs. There are things that are being experienced in people's lives. There's confession that is happening where people are going to one another and saying, listen, I need to let you know this is what was happening in my life. This is where I was falling short or this is where I was failing. And I'm confessing this and I'm bringing this to you for encouragement, for accountability, for support. And I'm repenting of that and turning towards something else. And listen, it's not even really happening where people are coming to Christ and I and confessing, but we're catching wind of it second and third hand even. Because people in this room, people in this church are doing this and following the way of Jesus in this way. And there's a level of ownership that has been absent for the better part of two years where people are saying, it's time for me to step up. It's time for me to own the vision. It's time for me to own the DNA, to live it out, to model it, to reflect it in my community, in my neighborhood, in my building, in my city. And it's not just that, but there are new people who are stepping in. New people who are desiring to be a part of this over the last few months, some even in recent weeks who say, you know what, I see the vision, I see where this is headed, and I want to be a part of it. I want to jump in. I want to be connected emotionally, relationally, spiritually, financially. I want to be a part of what's happening here at Meta Church. But it's not just here locally. There are others moving from other parts of the world, from England to Seattle, Washington, who are packing up their belongings and moving their families to be a part of this next season at Meta Church. And what God is doing is beyond my comprehension, and it's so it's so life-giving and it's so exciting. In fact, uh, just about three weeks ago, I was kind of thumbing through a sketchbook that I have from the summer and fall of 2020. That time, that stretch of Meta Church where we were kind of redefining what we were about, how we were moving forward. And as I was kind of thumbing through this sketchbook, I, I, I kind of stumbled upon this page, a page where I had sketched out and outlined a picture. I drew a picture of different phases and stretches of Meta Church of when we'd be ready to step into whatever it was that God had next for us. And I outlined this drawing and I sketched it out on this piece of paper and I didn't realize it at the time how prophetic it would be because as I read what I put, the notes and the indicators of how to know when we'd be ready, it was like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Ricky, you see, even when you didn't know how it would happen, I was giving you a picture and a vision to know when it was happening. And all of the things I just shared were indicators that I wrote about in October of 2020 that I drew a picture of in 2020, not knowing how it would happen, but knowing that eventually it would happen. And as we step into this season of reclamation, and I as the pastor and Krista as the pastor, as we look out, as we scout the land that is in front of us, and we see what's before us, I stand before you today and say that with greater conviction and greater excitement, I am ready and we are ready to step into what's next. And the reason I say that, and the reason I feel that, that we can do this free from fear, free from questioning, free from second-guessing ourselves, is because you're not afraid of what's ahead when you know who is at your side. 
We have no reason to fear what's ahead, MetaChurch, because we look around the room, because we look online, because we know who is at our side, who is committed to the journey before us. And as I said, I am more excited, I have more conviction, and more belief about what's ahead of us and the potential than I've ever had in the history of our church. You see, and the reason is because I know who's moving forward with us. I know where we're headed next. And I know that together we will confidently and victoriously step into and fulfill and receive the promises of God for Meta Church. So guys, buckle up because this is going to be exciting. Yes, there will be some opposition, but listen, there are some connections. There are some opportunities. And above all that, we know the inventory. We know who is with us and we know who is stepping forward. Thanks again for joining us today on the MetaChurch Podcast. To connect further with us, find us on Instagram or visit us online.